millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sun and Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gavin, you join us on the back of a couple of games over the festive period. Sunderland managing to pick up a win over Hull City and then getting a draw against bottom side Rotherham United on the road on the travels. Uh, joining me to talk all about this and uh, hopefully tell us about how he's had a great Christmas is Martin. Hiya mate. Hello mate, yeah, very good Christmas, thank you very much. I <laughs> yeah, hope everybody um, listening did too. And obviously three points on Boxing Day was a nice um, belated present, wasn't it? It was, but part of his kind of wishes that we got those points the other way around just to help <laughs> the mood a little bit. Uh, we'll get straight into it. Yeah, we beat Hull. We'll not talk too much about that game because obviously that was a few days back. But then followed that up with a one-all draw at Rotherham. I was at the game last night. Uh, it was a pretty rubbish performance, to be honest. And Michael Beale tried to explain it away after the game. I thought, to be fair to him, thought he actually called it pretty spot on in his post-match assessment. But he talked about how the players were basically feeling the effects of playing so many games in such a short space of time with Christmas squeezed into the middle of it. But really, you know, on the back of it, I'm still disappointed that we managed to not win because, well, we're playing bottom of the league. You know, you're playing bottom of the league, you're expecting to take three points, whether it's at home or not. I know Rotherham's been a tough place for us to go in recent years, but I, it is disappointing, isn't it? Even though we came from 1-0 down to get the draw, to be sat here not talking about a win against them, it, feel, it almost feels like two points dropped. That's what I was saying on the way out the ground anyways. It is two points dropped. I thought we were crap. <laughs> performance was really poor. It was typical of a lot of performances this season without actually being as good as a lot of performances this season. And by that, I mean like we, you know, we had a lot of possession. We controlled the pitch for a lot of the game but we actually didn't have many shots on on goal many shots on target compared to what we we usually do and look I think you, you kind of look at it on one side right you go well as you say the the Hull game and Rotherham game two away games four points walking out of Coventry I'd have accepted that I would say yeah that's, that's a good return on on that clean sheet and you know yes against Rotherham like they, their goal was a good goal you know we can't you can't legislate against that. Yeah, you could argue it was a poor defensive header by Equa, but it was a good, it was a good finish, good goal. Yeah, yeah. But it was like it was turgid, and like the the good stuff that we were doing earlier in the season before Beal arrived. You know, the the attack and play, breaking teams down. It just wasn't what it wasn't in evidence, was it? And no. I think you know it's clear to see what he's he's trying to do. And like to be fair to him, he's had a handful of days in the training field. He's had what three games in. 
in pretty quick succession. We've got another two coming up. And you know, when you and I spoke about Tony Mowbray going, and we talked about a foreign coach coming in, you know, I said it was going to be really difficult for anybody coming in, especially a foreign coach coming in, because you've got to get used to the league, used to the, the players, as well as the, the number of games coming up. And I think that's partly the reason why I went with Beal, who, who at least knows the championship. You know, he's, he's a little bit further forward in his in his job, I guess, than somebody coming in from abroad. But he's tried to tighten us up. I think that's what he's he's tried to do in the limited time he's had in the training field, just tighten us up, not let us be as open to conceding goals and, you know, take the commentary game out of the equation because that was just a disaster. The last two games we have been a little bit tighter. But having said that, like, Patterson had to make, you know, three good saves in in the space of about 90 seconds, didn't he? Yeah. And, you know, it, it was just, I just thought it was crap. It was team selection issues that we'll, we'll go into. That puzzled me completely. Um, the performance just wasn't good. And like, we, we need to see more because Rotherham will go down. And yes, we've had a crap record at, at Rotherham. Yes, to beat Middlesbrough last week. So, you know, you look at those things, well, that point's not bad. But when you look at the evidence actually in front of you for the 90 minutes, there, there wasn't a great deal to get a lot of hope from, I don't think. No one, and to be honest, I, uh, coming away from the game, I was I was a bit disappointed because I felt if that had went on, I think Michael Beale said this, you know, we just ran out of time. I think if that had went on another five, ten minutes, we might have scored another. Well, it shouldn't come down to that, should it? No, it, no, it, but we were, it shouldn't get to that point. No, but we were very fortunate going in at half time, really, that we 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 hadn't conceded because Patterson, like you said, made three brilliant saves, and like I'm I'm standing watching it, I'm thinking, why are we giving? Like it all came from giving away a really stupid set piece. Yeah, and then it just it was like that's exactly what Rotherham want you to do. They want you, you they want you to give away corners and free kicks. And and we 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 let them do it, but to be honest, like it wasn't your typical um, sort of performance against a struggling team who who sit deep. And I know they didn't have a great deal of possession, Rotherham, but I thought their press was pretty good. Like we were getting the ball, passing into the defenders, and they had three or four men pushed right up, yeah. stopping us from playing. So it wasn't like they had. It wasn't like they had eleven men behind the ball for the full game. No. As it went on, it they they, they, they kind of did towards the end. Um, but they had no choice to really the way we were getting at them. But I don't I don't think we actually outplayed them at all. I think when you look at the statistics, yes, we had the lion's share of the ball, but we did nothing with it. It was really, really that first half was one of the most boring halves of football well, nothing I think I've watched in a long time. Nothing. It was passing it around the defence, passing it into the midfield, back to the defence, back to the goalkeeper. We occasionally got it into the sort of second third of the pitch and then it just went back again. It was slow. It was turgid, and I would say to to the coaches, uh, to their credit, they, they kind of I, they did identify the issue in the end. They brought on Pembelli, which gave us width. They brought on Alex Pritchard, which gave us sort of a, a point at the top of the midfield. And for all, I don't think Burso played particularly well. We had a striker on the pitch, and it and it did occupy their defenders. So the shape itself, as the game went on, got better. But it was really irritating because before the game, I'm sitting there thinking, we've got to go with a striker at some point. We've got to go with a striker. And we didn't. It was yet another team selection where we've got attacking midfielders playing at the highest point of the pitch. And I've seen people say, you know, there's probably a reason for that. They're probably not good enough. That's not acceptable. Sorry, it's not acceptable because, one, we haven't seen enough of some of these players. And two, you can't tell me that Bar, Dak and Oshish are better options as a centre-forward than any of the players that we've got. Like, they they no. simply can't be because they don't play that position. It, it, we, our team shape suffers as a result. And I actually thought the biggest issue 
overall, in terms of the team yesterday, was the lack of width. We had a centre-half playing right-back. We had a right-footed left-back. We had a right-footed left-winger in Clark, which is fine, but if you've got somebody bombing past him, you at least have width on that side, and we didn't have that. On the right-hand side of the pitch, like I said, we, we had a right-footed centre-half, and then Roberts went off, and we replaced him with Barr, who's just not a right-winger. You know, and it's a tiny little pitch, that Rotherham pitch, but you still need to have width. You still need people getting down the outside. And to be honest, if it wasn't for Jack Clark, not just because of the goal, but if it wasn't for Jack Clark, there would have been absolutely nothing about that performance, really, in the end, because he was the only one who looked like doing anything. Other than that, it was just, we looked stifled and slow and, like I say, packed into the pitch. And and I'm I'm not an expert football coach, so, you know, I could be wrong here. But I wonder what they're saying when they're looking at the team and they're going, oh, well, we're not going to line up with the striker today because of X, Y, and Z. I just don't get it. I think that Rusin, in particular, cannot be a worse option than some of the lads are putting up there. And I just I just hope that there's a solution around the corner. I hope we're not coasting until January, trying to do this all the way through through January until we buy another striker because it's just it's painful to watch at times. We've got such a good team with players who are so good, but... This this just baffles me at the minute. The, the way that we're just ignoring the fact that we need. I mean, like I said, Burstow, he didn't play. It wasn't like he did loads right. It was more the fact he was just there. He was on the pitch, and the centre halves were were occupied. And for me, you know, if you're gonna if if you're gonna pick a team and you're gonna you, in the championship especially, you need you need somebody at the top end of the pitch who's occupying defenders. It's the only way forward. And Michael Beale said after the game, like Rotherham denied us space in between the lines and they pushed up and were compact, as you say, and the, the press was really good. But that you know, that wasn't a surprise that they did that. That's what they do. And our shape plays absolutely into that. And as you say, like if you've got if we've got somebody on the last defender you know, causing them a bit of a problem and pushing their, their last defender, trying to get over the top, it automatically lengthens the, the game. So you've got that bit. And then if we've got some players who play on the correct foot and who aren't a centre-half playing right back, you, you widen the game as well. So we made that game really compact and we actually played in Rotherham's hands. And as like it was obvious from the, the get-go. And, you know, we, Roberts goes off injured. I actually thought Roberts started the game quite well. He was kind of drifting around. He was popping up in the centre, popping up in the left. And it seemed he'd been given more licence to, to wander, to try to create something. He gets injured. And, like, you know, we've talked about it before and you've just mentioned it, but, like, I, I can't get away with Barr. I just don't... You can see he's a decent, good football player. He's got technical ability. But I just don't know where his best position is, and he's not a right winger. And you've got, you know, you've got Pritchard on the bench, who, you know, I would make a very strong case for starting games because he just influences it and... You know, when he comes on, we we improve. You've got Jefferson Bennis on the bench, and I know he's been out of favour since his triple Maradona turn and assist against <laughs> Southampton, hasn't he? But like, if you actually if you're looking at stats, his goal return and assist return in the minutes he's played is brilliant compared to to a lot of other players that we've got. So he's sat on the bench. He's a winger who can give us. You know, if you want to mix things up, you give Clark a run on the left for half an hour and put him on. The, on sorry. Clark will run on the right for half an hour, put Bennett on the left, and try to widen the game a bit. Mm. But, you know, bringing Barr on, again, just compacts it a bit. And I, I, I don't know what, he must be great in training because he's he's not doing it on, on the field, is he? Although no. Pembele, Pembele looked 
as if he's got something about. But obviously he's rusty. He's out. He's not played all season. But he gave us width, didn't he? That that was the most important thing. When he well, came on, he was just he just hugged the. I mean, he didn't really play like a right back. He hugged the touchline. He stayed out there. Yeah. And he just tried to give us a not. And like it made because I thought like Bar and um, Job, I thought they struggled. But as soon as Pembele came on, they improved because all of a sudden there was someone going down that right wing, creating room, and it and it allowed them to drift about a bit more. And I just. I feel like these are just such obvious things. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm. Th- these are things that have been issues for a little while now, and it's, you know, hopefully, hopefully now Pembele is fit. Hopefully this is the, may- maybe we'll see him starting games and it'll really help us. Certain coming back soon. Well, Elise was on the bench as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Elise. Just balance, I think, is what's missing at the minute. We've got a lot of players, sort of, yeah, I, I, I like Clark on the on the left. Obviously, he's our best player by a mile. I think to help facilitate him being there, you need somebody left-footed on that side of the pitch. We haven't had that option recently, so we've got to try and work that out sooner rather than later once somebody's fit. Um, and it's where you all, where you fit all these players as well, isn't it? Because obviously Hume is a is a mainstay. I think Pembele, you can already see he's as an attacking option, more of a more of a sort of wing back than than perhaps what Hume is. So we've got to try and work this out sooner rather than later to give ourselves balance because. Like I say, I just think you 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 were bang on there. We're compacting the pitch and we're making it difficult for ourselves. There's no need to do it. No. <laughs> just really, really frustrated as watching it because I'm I'm looking at the pitch and I'm thinking it's quite a tight little pitch. This we need to try and find other ways to get down the outside. And by playing players who just either didn't have the energy or the pace or the ability really to get down those sides. It, it really, really restricted the way we could play. So we had loads of the ball and we barely penetrated them. And, and you know, it, it's it's up to Michael Beale to, to figure that out. And I, I, something you said right at the start, I think is right. If we're going to be fair, it's not like he's had a load of time on the training pitch. We basically played every three days since he came in. Um, we had Christmas in the middle of that. So that was basically a day off. So I'm not expecting them to work miracles, but I think these players are, are, are football intelligence-wise tactically flexible enough to be able to to play a slightly different way um and that's what we need to see coming up because because it, it just it's it's really re- limiting the way we we're able to break teams down at the minute i think yeah and you know again to in danger of repeating myself but you, you know you've you got beal coming in i think a point on the monday we've got the game on the saturday so he's got a few days on the train pitch then and you know any manager's going to come in to say look go out and do your stuff We'll have a look at you because that's the first time he's he's been in charge. And that Coventry, again, that Coventry game was a disaster. So he's tried to tighten things up against Hull and Rotherham. Four points is, is a decent return from those two games. It's a shame he hasn't got more time on on the training field between now and Preston because you know there's things that came to light for him in the Rotherham game. And as I say, the, the positive thing is that he found he saw them and addressed them. So you know you can argue to, to, as long as we want about the the quality of Burstow, but as a team, the shape was far better with him up front. Now, to me, it's an absolute waste of time playing him because I have him back at Chelsea in January because he's he's not going to cut it in the championship for us as a striker this season. No, he is not going to score five eight goals that we you know the minimum that we we really need a centre forward to score between now and the end of the season. And you know, saying saying that we haven't had a striker score one so far, <laughs> so a striker again between five and eight. Seems a long shot, but we, we that's what we need. And you know, the one 
criticism I would have with Beal in the three games so far is he hasn't tried to rectify that striker situation until half time against Rotherham. Um, because to me, coming in, like if you're coming into that game and go, that's the problem. If I can sort that, everything else becomes so much easier. Not only in terms of the goal output that we're getting, but in terms of stretching the game and and having you know a bit more space to work in. So, look, I think even though Burst, I thought Burstall was awful last night on the ball. I think he had about eight touches, didn't he? Like, he didn't do anything, but he held his position and dragged defenders out. So. Hopefully that's a tick in the box for Beal going, look, we need to play with a striker. It's probably not Burstow. So who else have we got or who can we bring in to, to play that role? And look, I think Rusin looked decent when he, he had a chance. And I actually can't I can't fathom why we're not giving him a you know, give him five, six, seven games, you know, you're not under any pressure, go out, play a game, score some goals, see what you can do. And look, if he hasn't done it after you know seven or eight games, look at an alternative. You know, we've talked before about you know the treatment of Vermeer earlier in the season. He had a half decent game against Ipswich on the opening day. He hasn't started another game, I don't think. And we've we've treated and handled the strikers badly this season. That goes back to Tony Mowbray as well. We've got to get one, and we've got to get one firing. And if we're not going to spend decent money to get somebody who either can just hit the ground running or is proven in the next couple of weeks, we need to figure it out with the players that we have. And I actually don't really see us bringing somebody in who can come straight into the team and hit the ground running. I just don't see us doing that because our whole policy is buying players, developing them, and you know they'll be ready in three or four months' time. Rusin's been here for three or four months. Hamia's been here for six months. They need to be ready. And yeah. the, the only way they're going to be ready is by playing them. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was wondering what the thought process with Rusin might be because we spent a lot of money on him. He was clearly well scouted, so the the... They know all about him. They know, they know what to expect from him. And when they signed him, I'm <laughs> sure they were aware that he's Ukrainian. He doesn't speak a lot of English, and he's going to need time to adapt and settle. And that's, to be honest, that's something that we do often forget about these players, especially when we bring them in from abroad. Whether you agree with the policy or not is one thing, but the players we're actually signing, you know, if they're coming in from abroad, the the, the need to acclimatize and. We, what we want is instant gratification. We want to see a striker who we've paid two and a half million pounds for, let's say in Rusin. We want to see him out on the pitch, scoring goals and playing well. I think the reality is given the way we're operating, because we're not going to another championship club and signing their best striker, and because we're not maybe getting, you know, the top scorer in Scotland or whatever it is, you know, that we're then, we're then restricting ourselves in the calibre of the player we're bringing in, yes, but also we're restricting ourselves because the players just aren't ready. So with Rusin, that's a big change in his sort of everything. You know, before you even get to the football side of things, before you even discuss, okay, uh, what what's he like as a, as a, as a centre forward? There's so much going on in his life off the pitch that the kind of the football, making that all work at the same time can be difficult. Now, I don't know whether that's been the case. I just don't know whether he's come over here He's maybe struggled to settle in or um, he's maybe struggling to pick up the language or whatever it is. There could be a million reasons that we don't see. We just see the stuff on the pitch on on a match day. Um, But I think after being here now since August, I think now is the time to be looking at him and going, okay, he's 25-year-old. He's just been given an international call-up. He was the third top scorer in his league last year. There is something there. And 
Hopefully now after three or four months, he's ready. But we'll never find out if he doesn't get the chance. That's the that's the really irritating thing. And I've, like I said before, I've seen people say that, oh, well, none of these strikers are good enough. And I disagree. Because when well, we I watched Rusin play, when we I watched know. him play, I thought, I thought he looked okay. I thought he looked pretty good. He had that, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Swansea away. Swansea had a chance on his right foot, didn't he? Yeah. That he, um, he scuffed. Yeah, he didn't play well that day. But overall, I think he's actually done pretty well. Um, really unlucky not to score in that game when he hit the bar at the Stadium of Light. So there's been aspects of his performance where I've thought he looks okay. And if given a run of games, he might do something. But if we don't see him, we're never going to know. He's not even getting on the pitch off the bench at the minute. He's, he's no, it, it, feel, it feels like in a way he's kind of just been put to one side for the time being. Um, which I could understand if the other options were so much better or obvious. But like you say, Burstow, it's never going to work from here. He's just not a championship striker. Mayenda gets on occasionally, but I don't. When I look at him, I don't think centre forward. I think winger. He looks or, like winger, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't look like a striker. Maybe not. Maybe in a few years' time. But it goes. It all, again, and, and I can club him here in with this. It all goes back. We gave these lads big contracts, and they're young, and they maybe haven't been signed for the here and now. And if we lower our expectations slightly, then you know it might be another year or so before they make a proper impact. But right now, we have an we have an immediate need for a centre forward. So really, you're, you're down to two options, really. You're down to Rusin and you're down to uh, Burstow. Actually, option three is playing attacking midfielders up there. They're going for the third option every time. And I just, I think we need to find a way around that because it really came to the fore in this game. You know, we've, we've struggled to convert chances recently, but I just thought in terms of presence and having someone up there, we saw the benefit when we put Burstow there. He didn't even have to play well to make the rest of the team look better. Because no, exactly. the shape was just better, yeah. And you know, it is a real. I wrote about this in the match preview. It's it is a real problem that we aren't able to take maximum points off crap teams. It's the difference between us and then the top sort of five of Ipswich, Le- uh, Leicester, West Brom, um, Leeds. Those teams up there, they they are taking points off off the NAF teams, and we aren't. And we're in that mix now with about I don't know about ten other teams who are in the in the mix for the playoffs. And if we can find that solution soon, you know, it's going to we're, we're going to win a lot more points. We're going to win a lot more games because we are better than most teams in this league. It's just really frustrating, isn't it? When you you're sitting there every week doing this podcast talking about the same issues. Oh, it is and it's you know, it, it's the glaringly obvious issue that Beal needs to sort out, isn't it? And you know, the 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 games that we play against those teams who are in the top what third half of the league. They're obviously a bit different, aren't they, to the to the games like last night. So you know the games that we play against the likes of Leeds, they'll come at us and leave us more space to attack into, and that's where we can can really thrive at present. The games that we're playing against, you know, against teams like Rotherham and, and other teams down there, where we've dropped points. Like if you look at our record against the the bottom half compared to the top half, our record against top half teams is is far better, isn't it? And against the the teams in the sort of bottom third, bottom half, they'll sit back. Because they know we can just defend, and we might get a chance on the break. But if we if we're compact and defend, they'll struggle to break us down. We can let them have possession. At some point, they'll make a daft mistake, and we'll get in. And like that happened last night, didn't it? That yeah. led to um, that triple save by Patterson. Um, we pushed up, we gave the ball away. Their lad got in clean through through the middle. Unfortunately, he wasn't he wasn't pacey enough to really get get away, and Patterson came out and saved. Um, but the you know the issue that we've we've got 
yes, we're signing players for, for the future, but as you say, like somebody in certain positions has to be ready to do it to an extent, to a level. Yes, they might still improve, but they've got to be able to come in and do it to a level where we can play them every week. And at present, we haven't got a forward who can, who can do it. And when, you know, when, when Rusin came into the team, and again, you know, I thought, and I think you agree, that he looked, he looked all right. He looks as if he had potential. The, the team didn't quite know how to play with him because we're not used to having that player making those runs off the last man, trying to break that last line of defence. And that'll take some time again. So you know, that's it's another kind of reason why we have to persevere with a striker. And yes, look, Rusin will will have a bit of difficulty in settling. It's, it's you know coming from a country where you 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 you're not speaking English. You know the French lads who are coming over speak English pretty well in, in the main. I think that's a little bit different when they come over. There's a few of the, the sort of compatriots there as well. Rusin's come over, and I know we've got another one or two. Ukrainian lads in the under twenty ones and under eighteens, haven't we? But you know, it's it's a big change for him. And I get guess a question which we don't know the answer to is is it easier for him to settle if he's playing football every week, or is it easier for him to settle if there's not that pressure on him? Now we don't know. We're not in that position. It's it's impossible to tell. But logically, you'd think if he was playing and scoring a few goals and then joining his football on a Saturday, it makes everything else easier. But you know, we're going around in circles. We we need a striker. We need a striker scoring goals. And, you know, the transfer window is open pretty much now. We need to get a striker in who, you know, wherever the game is after we, we play Newcastle, we need a striker in for that game, the Ipswich game. We've got two weeks before we play Ipswich away, um, which is our league game after the Preston game. Yeah. And we need we need to figure the striker thing out by then because, you know, you know what happened? We up playing against Ipswich. Nathan Broadhead's there, and you know we can go back in history and talk about that as much as we want. But he's playing really. He was a striker who we could have had, attainable, did well for us, doing great rip switch, and you know that's a prime example of that player who will play on the on the defender's shoulder, and can can finish. And I think he's been playing off the left a bit, hasn't he, for Ipswich? But the you know the point remains that he he did well for us. He scored goals, and if we haven't got somebody up front by then who's if we haven't got anybody up front by then, <laughs> his presence just compounds the whole issue, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we've really avoided the the actual game itself. And well, there's reasons for that, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was a bit shit, wasn't it? <laughs> um, we'll quickly talk about the goals. The 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 one we conceded. You mentioned before the timing was shocking because it was straight after half time. Yeah. Um. You know, again, Michael Beale in his assessment said it couldn't have been worse timing after they'd been given a bit of a bollocking at half time for the performance in the first half. It was all just a bit sloppy for me, I thought, even in the build-up to it. Um, sort of Rotherham played a ball down our left-hand side, and I don't know what Hume's really doing. He kind of ducks out the way of a header. It goes over the top. And that, after that point, everything sort of got worse from that point. Um, then I think there was another clearing header, which he, he kind of missed. Didn't, didn't close his man down for the cross into the box. Ekwa then struggles to clear the header properly. And you're right, it is a fantastic finish. But it just felt self-inflicted yet again. It just felt like all of the, all of the sort of build-up to the goal, came from us not not really being con- well, not concentrating enough, not not really being in the moment and 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 being silly. And and Rotherham, to be fair, you know, on ability that they're not as good as us, but they really wanted it. I thought in that sort of first hour or so, you could tell they were up for it. They were pressing us hard. Eventually, that energy sapped out of them. Just the same reason we had probably no energy because. 
of the sheer volume of games that have been played recently. Um, but it was a, another, for me, although it was a great finish, and I've said this a few times recently, and I don't really sit here and say, bloody hell, we, con- we conceded a good goal there, like fair play mm. to the other team. It was a great finish, but the build-up to it was totally avoidable, wasn't it? Uh, oh, look, it was. Um, but, you know, Rotherham, you're right, Rotherham were coming into that game, they've got a new manager, they're coming in off the back of a home win against Borough, so they're going to be up for it, they're going to have confidence, they're going to think they can, they can beat us, which obviously they nearly did. That situation will happen so many times, I think we wouldn't even bat an eyelid. If that volley had flown over the box, we wouldn't look at that whole pattern of play, we wouldn't look at that whole scenario. And because it did fly past Patterson, he struck it great, and it, you know, as I say, it was, it was a good goal. He'd then start dissecting things, so you go, well, Hume could have done better, Equa's header, it was all right, but you know, he could have got more on it. Equa isn't good in the air, we know that, so it's not a surprise that that wasn't a, a great defensive header. Um, I think it was it was a space that it was Klukas, wasn't it? It was a space that he had to hit the volley. We didn't. There was nobody on him. We just left him free. Um, I think that was to me that was the kind of the the area or the the thing that gave them the goal and made it easy for us to, to concede it. But I say to me that's one of those one in you know one in twenty five he gets that on target, one in fifty it goes in in the net. Like it was to me that's just one of them goals you hold your hands up yeah. to see in the championship. Struck it well, good goal. Yeah, we had a few shots like that during the game that went nowhere near. Well, exactly. Um, so you know, it, it, it. You're right. You could do that twenty times and it wouldn't. It wouldn't go in the back of the net. He just hit it really well. If you if you go back to some of the goals that we conceded recently, like say the Coventry game, yeah, I think there was one deflection. Like, you know, that could have gone anywhere. But the the other two, you'd score them ninety five times out of hundred. You know, the mm-hmm. fairly routine finishes. So I think you kind of look at it in a different light. I think some of the goals that we have conceded recently have been easy goals to to score, whereas this this one was a little bit different. Yeah, and then our goal came after a a little spell of pressure. I think we we again I mentioned it before about just the the team shape improving and that giving us a bit more impetus and a bit more width, and we moved the ball quicker and having Pritchard on the pitch just helping in that regard because he's probably of all the tens we've got, he's the best one at linking up play. Yes. Um, that that made a huge difference, and to be honest, if anybody was going to score, it was going to be Jack Clark because he he was the only one who looked sharp. Actually, I've been a little bit critical of him recently because I think some of his sort of um, whistle to whistle performances haven't been brilliant. Um, but I thought even in a game where we didn't play very well, I actually thought he was one of the ones who, for the most part, did well. I thought he had the beating of his man most of the afternoon, uh, most of the evening. Um, but on this on this one, it was a good little move because we. We kind of knocked it around the box, but we did it with a bit more purpose. And I know, yes, it's, it's quite fortunate. It comes out to him and he, and he wellies it and it deflects right over the keeper. But I would like, a couple of times before that, I was like saying to me, mate, you don't shoot, you don't score. I think it was Luke 09 came pretty close with one. He did, with um, two. Two, I think yeah. he came close with. Mm. Yeah, where it was just a case of like somebody clearly getting a bit pissed off by us not having a go. And it coming to him on the edge of the box, and although nine's a defender, he you know he can score goals, and he's thought, bang, I'll hit it. But you know, it shows that when you have a pop, you know sometimes it, it can fall into the path of one of your players and and set a goal up, it can force mistakes, or or what happened can happen. You know, it makes a, it takes a massive deflection over the goalkeeper and you score. That's another thing we're guilty of. We're guilty of overplaying it. Sometimes you've got to just do that. The ball drops yeah. on the edge of the box, hit it, and and yeah. it might go in, it might go into Rose Ed, but. You're never going to know if you don't try. But I think Michael Beale made that point after the um, the whole game, didn't he? 
he said, like, we're, we're trying to score the perfect goal. We're not taking shots. We're not taking a, a chance. And it's funny because I actually thought we saw more of that against Rotherham. Obviously, we get the goal from Clark, which, again, that's one that goes in once in 50 times, isn't it? The other times it you know, rebounds out or it loops over the bar or whatever. So, you know, that, that yeah. was fortunate. Um, but I actually thought we saw more um, willingness to take a, a shot from outside the box or take a shot on. But when you look at the stats, we we didn't actually have that many shots. So it's kind of maybe a little bit of a misapprehension. But there were so many times as well, and this goes back to the striker issue, where we, we got down the byline. You know, I think the reason that Clark had so much of the ball was because Roberts had, had come off. So we, we had to go, we everything, we, we went down the left because, as you say, until Pembele came on, we had no width on the right. So we were feeding Clark as much as we, we possibly could. And, you know, there was one point that uh, in the second half, Pritchard had the ball and he looked out to his right and he saw a bar there and he, <laughs> he, <turned laughs> yeah, back and he looked over to his left and tried to look for Clark because he was like, uh, whether it was conscious or, or not, but it was it was very obvious that he looked over at the bar and he thought, I'm not going to pass it over there. I'm going to look over here. <laughs> um, but I think that, that's, a, that's a concern, isn't it? If you, you need to be able to trust your teammates. You need to be able to go, well, if I give it to him, we've got a good chance. Of, that's a good chance of creating an opportunity. And Pritchard's you know, experienced and wise enough to to take the time to pick the right pass. But there were so many times that Clark got down the byline, got some... Cause it, it normally he cuts inside all the time, but he actually went down the byline a few times yesterday and tried to yeah. beat his man on the outside. But the ball was fizzing across the box, and we just didn't have anybody who was pouncing on it on the edge of the six-yard box. You know, we weren't. We didn't have that instinct to to follow it in or get in. And you know, there was one I think where it was uh, was it 09 had a shot and the keeper spilled it a little bit. And you know, there was a chance for somebody who was really sharp to tap in the rebound. Yeah, we just yeah. weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I, th- I think the the goal that we scored was was usually fortunate. Um, and that, whether we deserved a point or not, I think you can you can argue that maybe we we did, but. It was it was touch and go, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I would say we deserved a point on the basis that, you know, they, they probably deserved something given their first half and the amount of pressure they put on Anthony Patterson. But then towards the end of the game, you know, to our credit, we kept going. We kept going. They Their press, like I say, from the start was really good. But given the volume of games they've had, they were never going to be able to keep that up. I think I looked no. before, they had, they had 30% possession. So they barely had the ball. They were going to get tired eventually. And yeah, it's a shame that, you know, we maybe didn't have another five minutes because I think, I think we probably would have scored. But it was just frustrating that these things were obvious. If we'd played with width, if we played with somebody up front, we would have won that game, I think. I think that's the top and bottom yeah. of it. Because Rotherham aren't a good team. They're, they're, they're organised and they work hard for each other and they understand the limitations. And, you know, it can't be forgotten. They've just had a really good win against Middlesbrough. That's a good three points for them. They've got a new manager through the door. So there's that bounce, I suppose. But, you know, it, it's still not a good result because you should be going to bottom the league and taking three points off them. And, and that's not being arrogant. I think that's just the case. A lot of teams have gone to Rotherham this season and done exactly that. So why shouldn't Sunderland, if we're pushing for a top six type finish, as we probably set out to do at the start of the season, why shouldn't we expect to go to Rotherham and win? So in, in, in that regard, I'm disappointed we've dropped, dropped two points. But at the same time, um, it could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? If that goal doesn't go in, we would be sitting here absolutely fuming. No, that's right. And, you know, again, I think we said at the at the top of the the show that four points out of Hull and Rotherham, I think both of us would have been pretty satisfied with um, after after the Coventry game. And mm-hmm. in in some respects, we were better off beating Hull because we take a point off them and getting the point off Rotherham because you know we've, we've took a point. 
extra off hull if if you get me drift in that scenario. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, in some respects, you're better off the the results falling the way that it is. And you know, if, if you're going to look for positives, which you know we like to do sometimes, the second half, as you say, if if we continued that second half for another ten minutes, I think we. I agree with you. I think we probably would have won because we had the the formation right. We had some of the right players on, on the field, and again, hopefully. You know, Michael Game Beale's third game in, in charge. He's you know, he he admitted in the post match interview he didn't know much about Pembele, but he, he put him on to see what he could do. And you know, he's learned about the players. I think that's the that's the thing which it's it's easy to overlook, isn't it? Like as supporters, we've seen all of these players play pretty much every single minute for the club. We know an awful lot about each of these players, what they're capable of. Yes, we don't see them in training. We don't see them around the place, so you haven't got that aspect to, to, to form your opinion. But we've seen these players play a lot more than Michael Beale has. We have more insight at the minute about what these players are capable of. So, you know, to us, it's, it's obvious, well, you know, we need more width. He, you, Hume doesn't give us the width if he's playing on his on the left-hand side. We've got an issue if that's the case with Clark coming inside because we've got nobody overlapping. We lack the, the striker up front and Bursto hasn't cut it in seven, eight, nine, ten games he's played. Beal ha- hasn't got as much of that information at present. Now he's he's gaining it quickly and you know soon he'll he'll have a, a different and deeper um opinion of, of players than we have. But some of the things that we see is obvious. You know the positive for me is some of the things that we can see is obvious that need changing. He changed in the second half and we were better for it. So the hope is that that then provides a little bit of a, a jump off point for the Preston game. Okay, well, let's let's shift the, the fullbacks around. Let's you know not play bar right wing if Patrick Roberts is out. Let's get somebody else who can hold that wide position. Let's start with the striker because that stretches the game and makes it a bit you know gives us a bit more space to play in. So you know, I'm hopeful that there are some things. And look, you'll have to rotate for Preston, won't you? Because you know we, we've played a lot of football in the last few, and he hasn't he hasn't rotated as much as he, he maybe could have. So I think you'll have to rotate a few players in now for Preston. And I'm just hoping that he kind of starts the Preston game the way that, in the manner that we finished the, the Rotherham game, both in terms of application and setup. Because I think if we do that, that'll then provide a, a good sort of starting point to get to where he needs to get to. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think that, you know, please, people don't take this the wrong way, but if Patrick Roberts has picked up a knock, it could be a, it could be a blessing in disguise in terms of trying different things. Now, if he just picks Bar, then, you know, it's not good. We're not going to see anything different. We we know what Bar's capable of on the right wing, um. But if Roberts is going to be missing for the Preston game, you know it's at the stadium light. It's on a big pitch. Why not play Mayenda? You know why not? Why not give him a go? If yeah. Ben, he mentioned in the, in the post match uh, interview he did that Bennett's been training really well and he wanted to put him on the bench to reward him for that. So if he's training well and we need somebody who can play out wide, give give Bennett a go. I've got no problem with that. But absolutely, not. I, I want to see us trying different things like. You know, you know when when you when you bring in a new coach or a manager, you know you, you're looking for reasons why they were brought in, what they can do differently that maybe the match last manager or last head coach wasn't getting right. Um, we've yet to see that, but I, to be honest, I give him a grace for that because I think he hasn't had the time on the training pitch. He's basically just had to go with what's been going on prior to his arrival. You know, the coaches that are, are the same coaches, so. Um, we're doing mo- most of the same things that we were doing before before he came in. Once he gets a little bit more time with these players, I'm looking to see real differences. Because at the minute, he's only he's only real sample of what to go off is what 
happens on the match day. And as you say, when he changed that team shape, we were better for it. Now, Preston are going to be a totally different proposition to Rotherham because they've got more quality. But at the same time, Preston aren't exactly a, a free-flowing footballing team. They're going to probably come and sit deep and frustrate us. So it's going to kind of be a similar performance or a similar sort of um, the way the game pans out. It's going to be pretty similar, similar to what we've seen. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And I think I think we've got to see more width on the pitch. That's the big thing for me. Get lads on the pitch and provide width, and we will beat them. But it seems so obvious that it's annoying is that nobody's seen it. But I give, I like to say, I give Michael Beale, um, I give him some sort of grace period to work these things out because he doesn't know the players as well as we do. Maybe as as you say, in terms of just the the kind of what to expect from them. So fingers crossed against Preston, we see something a little bit different because I I actually think irritatingly we're more likely to win this game than we were Rotherham. Like going into the Rotherham game. I'm I'm actually down in South Yorkshire at the minute. I've got family here, um, and I was telling them before the game. They were saying, "Do you think Do you think Sunderland will win?" And I'm like, "Well, no, I didn't. Ex- I, I really didn't have a good feeling about this Rotherham game." I said, "Because yeah. we beat we beat good teams and we we don't beat crap teams, and it proved again. We just struggled to break them down. We didn't beat them, um, but Preston, all right, they've not they've they've dropped off a cliff since having a good start, but they're still one of the better sides in the middle of the table, and." We're more likely to win that game than we were Rotherham. I think that's just a, a matter of fact at the minute with this team. Yeah, potentially. I think um, you know we saw last season, didn't we, where Preston just came and sat back and defended and wasted time and, and turned into a pretty miserable game. So I think you know from a challenge perspective, the, the similar challenges are going to be um, needing to be to be solved as as they were against Rotherham. And look, I, I say it's it's interesting with the like the coaching staff. It's obviously Beal's the only new face. In normally, when you get a new head coach or a manager, they've got the assistant manager. They might bring a coach in as well, and we've got that consistency with um, Dodds and Proctor and the, the goalie coach. And I, I think that's the right thing to do. I think having that consistency is good, but you've then got consistency of opinion and thought that's been fed into Beal as well. So it can be a kind of double-edged sword, really, because you've been influenced by what's gone on before more than you, you would do normally if you just come into the job. But look, I, I'd, I'd love to, like, on Monday against Preston, see if you had Bennett on the left wing, Clark on the right wing, you can give them licence to switch every now and again, Pritchard is a number 10, and Roosan up front. And I don't really care what happens behind that. Maybe with a full-back playing on the, on the correct side and having full-backs in the full-back position. But, like, if, if we had that front four, to me, you've got the width, you've got the, the, the fella playing on the last defender. It would be really exciting and interesting to see. I could throw my ender in there instead of Bennett. Um, and like, we've got to just shuffle the pack a little bit. Because, you know, if, if you're Speakman or Kira Louis-Dreyfus sat there, you've got we've got these players in the squad. We've actually got quite a deep squad. And we're not trying different combinations. We're not trying different things at present. We're kind of sticking with the same, um, what, same 13 players, essentially, that are kind of being yeah. moved in and out. Um and we just we do do need to try something different, but you know I think if you're looking at it really objectively, scrap the Coventry game, the last two away games, four points out of two away games in Championship, fine. We conceded one goal in two away games, great. I think it gives a reasonable platform for us to build on. Now that perception could shift dramatically if we get stuffed off Preston, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know if we if we follow this up with a, a decent performance and a you know two nil win against Preston. It's not been a bad week for Michael Beale after the Coventry game. So 
we um we retain hope and we go into Saturday. I'm um, sorry, Saturday. It's Christmas, isn't it? That's what happens at Christmas. All the days, <laughs> all the days blend into one. We go into Monday, which I think is an early kickoff as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with a you know with a bit of positivity, I guess, from from two decent results, if not decent performance yesterday. Yeah, and I think he's he, you know the atmosphere at the last home game was shocking. So we can't start badly. We're gonna have to start quickly. We're gonna have to get on the front foot. I think it would be in his best interest to play. I keep saying this because I think it's just so obvious. It would be in his best interest to play with more width, maybe a yep. bit more exciting football, just to get at them a bit more because the football hasn't been particularly exciting in the last few games. So maybe that's what we need. Fingers crossed, mate. Let's let's hope we uh we get them three points. I'm I'm still a bit like mm, about everything at the minute because like you know, I just think we should have beat Rotherham, but there we go. I would have took four points from these two games as well yep. as you say. So I think most people would have, in fairness, and so would Michael Beale. You know, away from home, you can pick up four points, particularly given our away form this season. That's not too shabby at all. So we'll be back after Preston, won't we? Which will be hopefully yeah. another three points for Sunderland. Let's get our fingers crossed. We don't need a sour atmosphere in a in a miserable, <laughs> miserable conversation after that one. We'll have, uh, cheers, mate. Thanks very much for joining us as always. Cheers, Gav. Cheers to the listeners. We'll be back after Preston and we will catch you then. See you later.